It's November 8th, 1960. The president is a Republican named Dwight D. Eisenhower. He has been the president since 1953 after serving in the army as a five-star general during World War II. All three of the last three presidents were directly involved in World War II, from FDR to Truman to Eisenhower. America was emerging into the 1960s and a new era was on the horizon. The candidates are Richard Nixon, a Republican who served as Eisenhower's vice president for his entire time in office, and John F. Kennedy, a Democrat congressman from the state of Massachusetts who served for 13 years before running for president. 68 million Americans voted. There were 537 electoral votes up for grab and 269 needed to win. The state of Florida had 10 electoral votes available, up by four since 1924. For over three decades since 1928, Florida has given all of their electoral votes to the winning candidate. From Hoover to Roosevelt to Truman to Eisenhower, Florida has always been on the winning side regardless of party affiliation. This year, however, Florida makes the first of two wrong calls in the national election. By a margin of just 3%, Nixon beats Kennedy in the state of Florida, with all of our 10 points floating his way. Both men lived temporarily at some point in the state of Florida, and it would not be the last time Florida voted for Nixon. We would do so again in 1968 and in 1972. Kennedy, who spent years and years on our shore, never received our endorsement for president in his lifetime. I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Swing State, a mini-series presented by Wait 5 Minutes. For the next three weeks to prepare you for the upcoming presidential election, I'll be telling you about our significant role in national elections. We are a swing state due to our massive population of voters who are not registered as Republicans or Democrats. We could go either way, and since 1928, we have been a reliable factor in deciding the final result. From 1928 to 2016, we have only voted for the loser twice. That is two out of 23 national elections. We've got it right 21 times. So these are the exceptions that prove the rule. And today, we'll be talking about the first of two blips in our record. This is Swing State, Part 2, 1960. Before we get into it, I know I asked you last week, but I might as well ask again. Are you registered to vote? Have you checked the website recently? I've got a perfect website for you to go to. It's registertovoteflorida.gov. If you don't live in Florida, you can also go to vote.org. You can enter your information and check. It will go by like that. If you are not registered to vote, in Florida, you've got until Monday, October 5th, so go check just to be sure, and while you're at it, why not apply for an absentee ballot? It is the safest and healthiest way to make sure that your vote is counted if you do not feel comfortable going in person. I doubt we will get it wrong like we did in 1960, so to ensure that your voice is heard, go to the websites at the link below and make sure you are registered to vote. It may not change everything all at once, but voting is the easiest way to make your impact on your state and on your country. All right, do it while you're listening to the episode. Let's get into the story. In the decades that led up to 1960, Florida had gained itself a special reputation as what is called a bellwether state. In politics, bellwethers mean that there are specific states or even counties or voting districts that usually indicate how a national election is going to turn out. Missouri, for example, has been a consistent bellwether state for the 20th century. 
For many, Maine was the state that indicated almost every national turnout. It isn't so much that these states determine whether or not an election goes a certain way due to amount of votes, but rather that these states are nearly always right. Florida had only been in the bellwether business for 30 years when 1960 rolled around. Missouri had only picked the loser one time since 1904. They were the old standard. Florida was the new kid. And it was anyone's guess which of the two popular politicians Florida would swing toward in 1960. Richard M. Nixon had served as vice president under Eisenhower for eight years, meaning that Florida had already voted in favor of him twice before. We had been part of the Solid South for a very long time, voting for Democrats near consistently for decades. But with Eisenhower, we broke entirely and started voting Republican. Nixon was a natural fit for the Republican vote in 1960, especially considering the shifting dynamics of the Floridian voter. Nixon had supported the civil rights movement in the White House and had aided in leading the American people through an era of huge economic prosperity in the 1950s. Folks, mostly white suburbanites, were happy with how the Republicans had run the country, not to mention the fact that John F. Kennedy was a Catholic. You'll remember that in 1928, the year that the streak broke in Florida, our state voted for Herbert Hoover in the first place mostly because they didn't like Catholics. There was a fear that any Catholic president would be beholden to the Pope. If a Catholic were nominated to the presidency, then that meant the Pope ruled America. Now, I have no idea why that is what non-Catholic voters believed, but it was enough to make Kennedy a less viable option for a president in the South. There's one issue you might think would have been an issue for the Florida voter. The space race. Eisenhower and Nixon had been stagnant on military funding during their second term, and they didn't show particular interest in the space race. As Cold War tension heightened, Americans grew increasingly nervous at the advancement of Russia's space technology over the past several years. In 1957, Russia launched Sputnik 1, the beeping satellite that terrified Americans and prompted a greater interest in advancing our own space program. Nixon was softer on the idea, but Kennedy supported the space program and famously believed in putting Americans on the moon before 1970. This was obviously an important concept for those on Florida's east coast, where rockets had already been launching for several years. If anything could give Kennedy a boost in the state of Florida, it likely would have been this. Except for one major problem. People didn't really care. History makes it seem like we always were excited about rockets, but the areas around Canaveral were engaged, but it wasn't a national issue. It wouldn't be until May of 1961 with the launch of Alan Shepard into space that the launches became a big deal for Americans. So as much as Kennedy's space race push could have gained him popularity in Florida if he had lived to run in 1964, it did nothing for his popularity in 1960. With that in mind, Kennedy the Catholic faltered in the Sunshine State. When the final results came in, it was very, very close. With a voter turnout of around 50%, 1.5 million people voted. The middle of the state mostly went red, save for the counties around Lake Okeechobee. Nearly the entire panhandle, including the entire Jacksonville metro area, goes blue for Kennedy. Nixon takes Lake, Orange, and Sarasota counties with over 70% each. Kennedy took large percentages of many counties as well, crossing 70% of the vote in 10 different counties. But here's the catch. All the counties where Kennedy did especially well were the smaller ones with less people in them like Baker or Liberty counties. 
All told, the difference between the two was around 47,000 votes. Nixon won with 51.5%. Kennedy was at 48.53% difference. Florida's metros were divided, with Miami going blue and Tampa going red, and in the end, our 10 electoral votes go to the Republican, Richard Nixon. Nationally, the popular vote split was even closer. Kennedy wins the popular vote at 49.72%. Nixon was at 49.55%. That is a 0.17% difference. Kennedy gets over 300 of the electoral votes and wins. Republican supporters contested the final results, saying that Kennedy and Johnson had committed voter fraud in Texas and in Illinois. In 11 states, Republicans were crying for recounts, a chilling echo that would ring to the 2000 election 40 years later. Nixon, however, was not interested in a recount. He sent a telegram to be read to the press congratulating Kennedy on the race. He privately bowed out and packed his bags to go on vacation. The man lived in California, but he crossed the country to relax in his new favorite spot, Key Biscayne, Florida. All reports from the Times say Nixon was depressed, defeated, and out of energy from a year of campaigning and eight years of governing. Nixon's campaign manager, Leonard Hall, along with Senator Thruston Morton, flew to Nixon where he was in Florida to try to talk him out of surrendering. But Nixon was done. The final result was extraordinarily close, and some contest that a recount may have been necessary. But while in Florida, Nixon officially conceded the race to Kennedy. On November 14th, a few days later, Kennedy flew to Key Biscayne from Palm Beach where he was staying and met with Nixon at the Key Biscayne Hotel. They were met with a huge crowd and flashing bulbs, but shining smiles emitted from both men as they repeatedly shook hands, chatted, and eventually retreated to a private spot where they could talk. Later accounts share a cordial meeting discussing a transition between the parties and a pleasant chat about how it all turned out. How did you win this state? How did you win that one? Many considered Kennedy's move to be unprecedented. To visit the person you beat and to chat with them person to person, it was a sign of respect. Florida in 1960, it seems, was a place for peace. When Kennedy became the president, he was the first Catholic to ever do so. Despite the shifting political landscape and Florida entering its position as a swing state, the Catholic upbringing and a trust in the Eisenhower administration led to his slim loss in Florida. It was enough for the steadfast Protestants of the Sunshine State to not allow enough votes to slip Kennedy's way. Both men were lovers of the Southeast Coast. Both men spent large parts of their lives and presidencies in our state. But Nixon would win Florida three separate times, 1960, 1968, and 1972. Kennedy didn't even win Florida once. He never got another chance. Thirty-two years pass in the United States of America. Despite voting for several Democrats over the next few years, including LBJ and Carter, Florida gradually became a mainstay of the Republican Party in the latter part of the 20th century. Reagan won big in both 1980 and 1984, and George H.W. Bush took Florida in 1988 with 60% of the popular vote. 
1992, despite four years of unpopular leadership by the elder Bush, Florida stood by the Republican president as he sought re-election by just a slim margin of nearly 2%. George H.W. Bush would not win his second term despite Florida's help, and the Sunshine State voted for the loser of the national election for the very last time. Next time, 1992, Bush v. Clinton. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Swing State, a mini-series presented by Wait 5 Minutes. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a 5-star review below or share the episode with your friends on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can find the show everywhere at WFMPod. You can send me an email at WFMPod at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at WFMNick. Have you registered to vote? Did you check? I gave you plenty of time. If you have checked, perfect. Thank you. If you haven't, we need you. Go to registertovoteflorida.gov or vote.org to get started. There are links below, and I've got one more week to bug you. And I will bug you. All the music used in this episode is from Lobo Loco. Check out more of their amazing music at the link below. I'll be back next Monday with the third and final episode of Swing State. Until then, I'm Nick D'Alessandro. Be good to yourself. Be good to others. Wear a mask when you go outside. And please, drink more water. Have a good week. Thank you.